1: You are listening to Clara and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowland, and I'm joined today by John Townley for another podcast episode. And this one is something slightly different from things we normally do, where we've talked about it in, in previous episodes. It's very much pre-match, post-match, pre-match, post-match. Let's talk about something different, something topical. Now, Manchester United were humiliated at the weekend by their uh, fierce rivals, Liverpool 7-0, which, I mean, seeing them lose in that manner is excellent. Seeing Bruno Fernandes in tears and throwing his dummy out, excellent times too. So that sparked an idea of the seven times that Aston Villa smashed their opponents. Stay with me. So, John, thank you for joining me today. How are you?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm well, thanks, mate. Um, again, after a win, it's always a better week, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, we haven't done one of these podcasts or something similar to this, sort of a, a timeless but also topical, but it's something that the viewers can come back to for, you know, different reasons. We haven't really done one of these or we haven't done many of them and we want to do more. So, yeah, hopefully it's um, an enjoyable podcast.
1: Yeah, we're going to take a, a trip down memory lane. Now, I'll we'll say, John, how how old are you? 21, 22,
0: 23 now.
1: I'm 27, so this list is probably going to be heavily dominated by the Premier League era and probably, I say probably, I know the seven games we're going to be talking about from 2008 onwards, pretty much, this will be. we will do an honourable mentions kind of round at the end as well, because I put this out on Twitter yesterday and got people to send their suggestions in as well. There's loads of people saying things like, oh, the 6-0 against Liverpool in 1963. And It's like, yeah, I'm sure that was great, but I've got no recollection, never heard of it. Uh, so we're going to keep it to yours and my list, John, the seven times Aston Villa have battered their opposition, smashed their opposition, whatever we've started this video uh, so we'll get underway with number seven so we're going to do these in some kind of order of worst to best That sounds stupid, yeah. could say this is like the worst best result so number seven is Derby County nil, Aston Villa six. Now, like I said, it sounds stupid to say that's the worst, but yeah, we're going to get better to the the following six after this. John, your recollections of that two thousand and eight. This was. Now we'll get into the iconic goal in a second, but your just kind of overall memories uh, of this game.
0: I literally don't have a memory of it. Um, I was eight. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't wow. know. Um, the only memory, I suppose, is watching, I say watching, or at least I know of Petrov's goal. I've obviously seen other yeah. goals in highlights and like Premier League years, that sort of stuff. Um, but the Petrov goal was obviously just iconic in general in like Premier League era for Villa. But yeah, the six, no, I don't actually remember of, you know, if we're going to break the game down <laughs> by minute by minute, I won't have a clue. Um, <laughs> I've done some research and we were freeing it up at half-time, apparently. Uh, Derby were already relegated as well at the point. I do yeah. remember that they had a well, literally the worst Premier League season. Um, still is, isn't it, I think? Yeah, still is. Um, I think it was like 11 points. Just that game was Petrov's goal. That's the one that kind of stands out for me. There were six different scorers as well, which is probably unusual for yeah 6-0, well, but also for a team like, well, you know, the team that we had, obviously we had a lot of players who could score goals, but you'd expect, I don't know, Ashley Young to get a couple or uh, Gabby or Carew. But it was uh, Gabby, Harewood, Carew, Petrov, Young and uh, Gareth Barry who scored the goals. And we beat Bolton 4-0 the week before and then a game that we might touch on (laughs) soon will be the 5-1 against Blues maybe. Uh, That was also after that. So we scored like how many goals would that be 10, 15 goals in three games
1: the the site I'm looking at has got league positions at the time I don't know whether this is before the fixture or after but it's got Villa in 7th Derby obviously 20th I was going to read out the team lineups that were the starting 11s for each of these games we're talking about as well a little handy stat I had that it was, is that it was six different goal scorers and you've already mentioned it so that's six oh. of the 11 that you've read out so in full you've got Carson Melberg Zach Knight Martin Larson Wilfred Boomer Gareth Barry Steven Petrov Nigel Rio Coker, Ashley Young which Seems bizarre to be talking about Ashley Young in 2008 and in 2023, Gabby Bonlahore and John Carew, which is uh, yeah, a nice side, and maybe we should have achieved more with that side, but a story for another day. Yeah, like you said, Petrov, the most iconic goal there. So, yeah, when I was doing the research for this, there was a quote from Martin O'Neill saying something like, Oh, he's been a bit down on his look at the moment, a bit lacking confidence. So for him to take that effort on and score from there or kind of give him a boost, it's like, Yeah, no, will sh- give him a boost. to score from 50 yards. What do you expect? Should we move on to number six in the list? Yep. I'll let you mention right. or you cannot like, reveal this one because i wasn't fully convinced of this one to be honest but well, it's a, a list that we've compromised on
0: yeah and again i think we need to stress that the list is kind of like mine and yours as in we need to fill out a couple of minutes to talk about it and if it was <laughs> yeah. you know with like wimbledon yeah that was like massive but at the same time i i couldn't comment on it so mm. i mean i've put forward the 5-1 against Norwich away, and that doesn't sound like particularly like Norwich away. Calm down. If you want to go, you know, in literal terms, it was technically a win that kept us up, although it was like, what, the fourth or fifth game of the season? we stayed off by was it a point that we stayed off in nineteen twenty, I think. I was watching that in my uni room as I did for most of the last like four three or four years. Wesley double won it. And then he had the chance to score his third his hat trick, uh yeah. before half time and then he just got saved by the keeper. I think we all probably knew it was gonna get saved at the time. Like when when a villa gonna go three nil up, sort of thing, or, <laughs> I mean it must have been three, uh two nil at half time and thinking about it, I think. Um it was yeah, two. but uh, yeah, Villa. I'm going to go three 0 up uh, away at home in the like fifth game back in the Premier League. Even though it was Norwich, that was still a team who won the championship when we were in there by like a bit of a canter. and they beat us as well. Obviously on the final day of that season, yeah. to uh, and they lifted the trophy for the Park and all sorts. But yeah, um, I remember I tweeted actually after that game where we won five one. I probably got carried away and I said something like, I don't know why I delved in some stats and I found that however amount of goals we had scored at that point in the season, it must have been like fifteen or something. No team had got relegated in Premier League history. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> like 15 goals. <laughs> I love it now technically I was right, but I went so early. <laughs> like we, yeah, man, we were like down, weren't we? We were like four games to go, and there I am, like saying I oh, have score 15 goals in like four games. It sounds like <laughs> why, why are we? Uh, what's the world for? <laughs> We've tell you, I tell you
1: what. Between between us recording this and getting it out, try and find that that tweet and I'll flash it up on screen if you, if you can find it if I found it it'll be here now it's uh, yeah, yeah. funny to look back on um, there's a, a little stat underneath the site that I'm looking at it's at 11v11.com is where I'm taking all these um, team sheets from and things it says this was the first time Aston Villa had scored five or more goals in an away game since 6-0 win against Derby County so quite yeah, yeah. convenient that we've talked about both of those already uh, the team news in full Tom Heaton, Frederick Gilbert, Bjorn Engels, Tara Mings, Matty Target, Marvellous Nakamba, Connor Harahan, John McGinn, Anwar El Ghazi, Jack Grealish, and Wesley. Now there's what two players there that are still at Aston Villa from that start 11 in Mings and McGinn that are still starting. Now, obviously Nakamba is still contracted to us but on loan at Luton. Gilbert went permanently I think to this summer so yeah, a lot's changed in those three years. But that game, actually, I just got the job here in the September. And obviously, that was the start of October. And one of my first jobs, um, like going out and about filming, was to go to Nottingham Forest. I think they were playing Derby. It's obviously a Derby game. And they wanted to get some footage of the fans in the stadium and things like that. So it was one of the first Villa really games that I'd missed. Obviously, it was away. and I'm, I don't go to away games very often, if at all, these days. Um, but it was one of the first games. I'd, I i didn't see any of it on my phone. Didn't see any of the results or anything. And I remember tweeting I think again if I can find it I'll flash it up first game I've missed we've scored five goals I won't come next week and we'll hopefully win again or you know some stupid yeah. line like that uh, but where's is, is the talking point isn't it a player that we have spent uh, a lot of money on he's got a couple of goals there against a side that ultimately would go on to be relegated did you think at that point or at any point, then that Wesley would go on to be a success.
0: It was a real handful in that game, obviously, because he scored twice. But it was just a good presence. And yeah. in the games previously, it was like between him and Joel Linton and it was like a big comparison about who well, was going to score more yeah. goals. Yeah, I think it was more so actually in the like the Burnley game later on. I thought, oh, he's coming into his coming into his own. That was really good in that Burnley yeah. game. Like that's just really sad, isn't it? Like I actually think he was getting to a, a level that uh, I thought was you know a very decent Premier League player. To be honest and he was getting a brazil call up as well the week before yeah. burnley injury too so it was all kind of going for him and so i think he was adapting slowly but surely and then obviously that injury is completely you know it's a real shame I mean, he's, he's obviously at levante now and he's scored a couple of goals but ultimately he just he isn't the same player and oh, clearly that injury has had a big impact on, on his career but that win stands out to me just i suppose because in my like i don't know 10-year memory of supporting villa there's probably not too much to go off but that Yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a happy time, I suppose.
1: It's a, it's a butterfly effect, isn't it? That The Wesley situation. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but the one that you see that does the rounds all the time is Bern Leno getting injured for Arsenal and Lionel Messi winning the World Cup because then Martinez comes in, plays well, moves to Villa. He wins the Copa America, Messi wins the World Cup, etc. This kind of chain of events. Wesley kind of getting better, scoring goals there, gets that Burnley game. Brazil call-ups on the horizon. All of a sudden gets a bad injury. If that injury doesn't happen, Maybe he goes to Brazil and the scores there on international duty, comes back full of confidence, scores a few more goals for Villa. Villa fly up the table rather than survive on the final day and Wesley becomes this great Premier League player for Villa that scores loads and loads of goals. And I can't even say that with that straight face because I don't think Wesley would have made it anyway. But you just think if that injury never happened, what might have been for a record signing, I think it was at the time.
0: He could have not worked out at Villa, but then he could have got a move to Nottingham Forest or whoever it may be. And he's... He's a Premier League player still, and he's in Europe, or he might be playing in Euro- Europa League, or whatever it is. But now it's obviously had a massive effect on him. But I suppose the one thing that we know probably wouldn't have happened uh, is that we wouldn't have signed Ali Samata. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: Ali Sabata, Oh, my God. This is why I like doing these random podcasts about different things. You just throw up these players' names that you've just forgotten about. Like, Ali Sabata. this is three years ago we're talking about. When we look through some of the names from the older team sheets, you just think, Christ, no wonder we were almost getting relegated every single season. Move on to number three, though. Uh, Arsenal against Aston Villa 3-0 win for Villa at the Emirates again we're talking about times Villa have blown the opposition away and things like that 3-0 isn't necessarily the definition some people might have of that it was one of those games where you just felt like again it was near the start of that season wasn't it when we'd we'd started really well um obviously we'd beaten Liverpool that at the start of that season as well which we might get onto at some point during this episode I I would have thought and but to go to the Emirates and play a side that Yes, they're not the Arsenal that they are as of today. Mikel Arteta was, was new to the, the club at the time. But to go there and play in the manner we did, Ollie Watkins getting his brace. I love the celebration pictures from from that as well. Yeah. Slight dampening on a couple of these. They're locked down, so there's no fans in the background. But Watkins kind of like just two tick two fingers up for his braces. I love those photos. This kind of free-flowing brand of football, exciting, scoring loads of goals. It felt good and it was like, oh, this is the season we might go on and and do something and obviously ultimately we we didn't do anything that we we hoped in terms of winning trophies or getting into Europe but a standout moment from a, a bad time of lockdown and things that uh, to go to the Emirates and play like that it's got it into this list
0: and we it could have been a battering as well I remember they could have been like 5-0 I remember they cleared, yeah, one off, yeah. uh, they cleared one off the line and then John McGinn had that goal ruled out for offside or something um, mm. in the first it was early on wasn't it yeah yeah that was to make it 1-0 obviously got chalked yeah. off but I never understand how that can be offside. There was a player like in his, in Leno's view, but McGinn belted the ball in the top corner. Like, no one's saving that. And that was just like why Villa fans were so annoyed the other week when Arsenal had two players in front of Martinez mm-hmm. and Jorginho, you know, when it hit the bar and winning. It's exactly the same thing. The keeper's never going to save it or whatever happened afterwards wasn't going to change. You know, they weren't yeah. really interfering. But, you know, consistency, I guess it was two years ago, so you can't really bring it up too much. Um, <laughs> this game, if I remember rightly, came straight after the, I think, well, we lost, obviously we started well that season. I think we won four out of four or three out of three. Four out of four, wasn't it? Um, but then we lost to uh, Leeds 3-0 at home, which weren't great. And then we lost 4-2 at home, Southampton. But then we obviously then beat Arsenal 3-0. So it was almost a point in the season where it was like, all right, we won four, four of our first four games and scored a lot of goals. But now we've conceded. So we lost 4-3 to Southampton and then we conceded like, what, f- nine, eight, eight goals or so, seven goals in um, in two games. So, yeah, it was almost a win of like, almost a bit of relief as well that we weren't just going to start well and then just go backwards. The goals as well that we scored, like that run from Grealish for the third goal, it took it from like his own half. Mm. It's like prime Grealish that. I think it was our first goal, Barkley and Grealish, we were just keeping the ball for like...
1: Yeah, they played six, between each other, didn't they? And then put it through to McGinn, I think. I'll just read you the team news while I've mentioned it. Obviously, Martinez in goal, Cash, Conter, Mings, Target, Douglas, Louise, John McGee, and Ross Barkley, Trezeguet, Grealish, Watkins. So, uh, obviously, a pretty much similar team to the to what we're seeing today. But yeah, yeah. just different level. Some of that, some of the football at the time uh, uh, in the early part of that season. Some good good games across that season actually that probably could have made this this. But Arsenal was uh, with Liverpool was kind of a kickstarter for why they would get into this list that we're doing. Oh
0: yeah, that lockdown season. because that was like a full lockdown season apart from like yeah maybe two games, um, partially open to fans. But yeah, there's bizarre things happening in that and that was definitely due, due to fans. Um, and on that Arsenal one as well, we obviously have a good record at the Emirates. Um, but mm. the season that we came up when we lost 3-2, I remember every single one of their goals that they scored, there was a reason why it should have been disallowed. So it was sweet to kind of go back the the, the year after and you know really do a job on them. And then obviously we beat them later that season as well 1-0 yeah we've had a good sort of run against arsenal and that should have continued a couple of weeks ago
1: so the fourth time that aston villa tore their opponents to shreds yeah. or whatever i've titled this i could have done seven different versions couldn't have the title at this point uh cool. aston villa six, sunderland one at villa park in the tw- on the 29th of april 2013 christian benteke hat trick is the reason this is in here i think peak Benteke just absolutely bullying defenders scoring yeah. good goals but also uh, almost a little bit of a, a side note Ron Vlar getting the scoring opening on the 31st minute from I haven't actually had a chance to watch back all the goals here that we're talking about but it feels like it was from a million miles out <laughs> yards 25 yards or something just absolutely yeah. blasted it probably much closer than that but low across the floor started the side the game off with the scoring and uh, like I said Benteke goes on to get his hat trick um, late on in the game um, but that was like a real not a relegation six-pointer, but we were both down the bottom, weren't we? When I mean, it's towards the end of the season, so you know, if you kind of look at that game. You look at that game to go. Villa need to do something here. We need to get three points if possible, but to get them in that style and blow somebody apart, blow somebody away in that manner, that was a real kind of sign of okay, we're probably, hopefully, going to be okay this season.
0: Yeah, I think it was a Monday night game, if I'm correct, because it was. It was definitely yeah. a
1: night game. I don't know no. if it was Monday no. or
0: not. Um, yeah, Vlad with that sort of rock, was that rocket, I think it took a couple of like bubbles off the ground, but obviously hit it well and it was kind of like for a crowd of players. So I think that was probably the main reason why it kind of skipped past the keeper. Um, I think Sunderland, they drew back like literally a minute later. So it wasn't as if we, uh, you know, kind of coasted into like a final lead and then gave one away. They, were, they scored straight away after we scored the opener and then andy ryman scored before half time to make a 2-1 ben ticker comes up with like a i think 18 minute hat trick and yeah by then with obviously the game's done gabby seals it and i think they had a red card too before benteke third goal when we were 4-1 up when did we beat teams convincingly and comfortably at yeah. home all the way you know the, especially like under Lambert not that it was Lambert's fault it was just obviously there was a bad time for us as a club in terms of league positions and so the quality of play that we had be able to have someone like Benteke you can always um, score you know plenty of goals but that was the sort of one occasion that we actually did it.
1: I managed to have a quick flick through of the goal. I was listening, by the way. I added another tab. The beauty of doing things online, I another tab open of the goals. And the fly one takes a deflection on the way through, not a bobble on the ground. Uh, okay. it, is, it is far out. I'm, I'm rubbish with yards, but it's well outside oh, yeah. the box. And the Benteke one's me saying at the start, they're not Benteke getting good goals. They weren't particularly good goals. One is uh, uh, the keeper kind of makes a save and parries it out into his path, but he gets a good header to get it down and in the goal. He scores a header from a corner as well, which is a good goal. A good kind of strong neck muscles peak Benteki that. And then the third one to seal the hat trick. I think it was on his left foot from a tight angle. Um but yeah just a menace. Absolutely love Benteki, one of my I say favourite players growing up. I was in my teenage years in 2013, but still Early days of supporting Aston Villa, really, and unbelievable. Let's go to the fifth, uh, the fifth time on the list that Aston Villa ripped their <laughs> opponents to shreds. I don't know if I've done that one already, but let's go for that. <laughs> um, Aston Villa were four, Wolverhampton Wanderers one. Now, again, this is one that you, that you thought of, and you said, Can we in- include championship games or not? And I said, Yeah, why not? Let's just do whatever we want. Yeah. Why did you want to put this one in, in the list?
0: Because I can't remember what happened before. <laughs> um, I think again, like we've <laughs> we've obviously batted a, a few teams and like we beat bristol city like 5-0 and that was like cool it was nice um but the wolves one had more talking points so no it was one of those where i think that again in my recent memory that was you know if, if you could choose i don't know 10 villa games that you could go back to and just relive for like 90 minutes that would be one of them because it was mm-hmm. such a that season was obviously good, but at the same time, it was like every game you expected to win. We were in the playoffs, but we were never really challenging for top two until yeah. we obviously beat Wolves. Um, and the game itself was obviously, you know...
1: Were we close enough at that stage to think we might get top two, am I misremembering?
0: No, but once we beat Wolves... I remember there was a game against Fulham. We had, I think it was towards the end of the season, and um, we lost We lost that game. But if we had won, we'd have gone like a couple of points away. But we were yeah. never... It was never really a possibility, really. Um, but yeah, the Wolves one was big. Uh, I think Adoma scored straight away, then Jota, like literally Jota and Nevers were playing for Wolves. They were by far and away the best team in the division. But it, that's why it was so yeah. good because that was one game in that year that we weren't expected to win, really. Like, obviously, it was right, we could, we can win. But, you know, so every game before that it was like an expectancy. If we don't win, that's not a good enough result. But if we didn't beat Wolves, it wasn't like a, you know, oh, we have, it, they were just a very, very good team. I remember they had that play next to Walt, uh, next to Neves and Jai I think his name was he kept trying to kick Grealish the whole game and like the yeah. crowd was loving it um, Bjarnison's goal as well he come on and slammed it into the post and went in and yeah it was a really good game but <laughs> then classic Villa like literally Sunday, Monday We're three days later we had QPR at home and then we go and lose to QPR at home like it's the most classic thing um, mm. then we lose to Bolton away I think it was which was that kind of well-known, the coldest game anyone's ever been to. So that, <laughs> that was the top six. Um, that's top, yeah. so the top two sort of gone. But beating yeah. Wolves was massive. I remember go, coming back and listening to like Paul Franks on the radio and all the Villa fans saying, oh, "Are we going to get top two and all the <laughs> Wolves fans and stuff like running out of it. But yeah, uh, really good Really good um, result. Good night. It was a five thirty, I think. What could have been a bigger moment, but at the same time, again, it was just like the emotion of it to me. I, you know, to win four one against you. Say, it's a derby right. game,
1: isn't it? Yeah. As like- much as as they're not yeah, blues, sure. it's still wolves, and they're we're third. They're top. We think That's maybe there's an outside chance of top two, but definitely playoffs. This is a game where maybe we'll put something together and see what happens. Just go through the through the eleven quickly. Sam Johnston, El uh Chester, John Terry. Again, when I was writing these down to do the graphics for, it's like John. Terry played for us. Like, obviously, I've not forgotten, but that's mad in itself. Uh, Neil Taylor, Yedinak, Harahan, Adoma, Snodgrass, Grealish, and Graben. Now, if Tammy Abraham was in that side instead of Graben, we probably got, would have got promoted that year, which again is another potential starting doors moment there. The one now that I didn't mention there though and we've not mentioned yet, Berkey and Bjarnason, Another throwback to the past. The Iceman iceman cometh uh, and jinks through the Wolves defence like Lionel Messi. But yeah, that's, that's something that stands out from that game as well. But Bjarnason's goal, just where did that come from?
0: I think he got a couple of goals for Philly. I think he scored a nice goal against Reading as well. I don't know why I'm thinking of that. That was another game that season. Uh, Reading With
1: Bjarnason... Wasn't he a left winger or playing left wing, and then he was suddenly put in DM, and he was yes. he was brilliant at DM, or was it the yeah. other way around?
0: So he was a. All I remember for Iceland and for Basel, he'd play off the wing, but then yeah. clearly he was just a versatile player who had a bit yeah. of an engine. He never, I don't know, I, I feel like he had something to bring, but ultimately didn't really show much. And but he played midfield, didn't he? Like a game against Brentford when we had Lansbury, Horahan, and uh be honest, and on deadline day when we signed Hogan and Hogan was a Brentford player and we yeah. lost 3-0 to Brentford and it was just like oh, what is the point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe that was an oversight of me just calling Bionessen a brilliant DM, but it seemed like we've been playing him at, been, no, you know what I mean we played him out wide this whole time we thought, Oh yeah, he's all right, he can do a job. But you played in midfield and it was something like, Oh alright, he's probably better in midfield. Maybe I have thought like that.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Let us know in the good.
1: comments whether Bjannison be was better at DM <laughs>
0: Like <laughs> them as well. We we beat Wednesday four two, and then we beat Sunderland 3-0 and then we beat Wolves four one. So it was real like a proper momentum shift. And then we, so and yeah. bug- lost to QPR. So
1: yeah, let's move on. Let's not think about the, how, how that season ended ultimately as well. Uh, to sixth in the list. Now, I mean, it wouldn't be a list of the times that Aston Villa on their opponents without mentioning 5-1 Birmingham City uh, April 2008 a date that for some reason always sticks in the mind as as just knowing when this was two from Ashley Young two from John Carew one from the Derby Day hero Gabby Abonahor uh, just again one of my earliest memories of, of going to Villa Park feeling like we'd win all the time but that game just unbelievable the atmosphere so good again a little bit of a nostalgia moment that it feels like the best kind of thing ever because it was 12 13 years ago but yeah it just feels like next level that the atmosphere on the day and how, how well we played and it wouldn't be a, a list would it without a sticking in Birmingham City in there somewhere.
0: I don't have much recollection of the game I'll, I'll be honest but that's again always like a a moment like Premier League years you kind of wait for that game to come up it was five it was yeah. five I don't remember what their goal was or I'm not sure but yeah I, I remember all of our goals in terms of drafts watch them on highlights and stuff Um yeah. was that the game that Carew took the mascot and does that I think so
1: I'm pretty goals? pretty sure that was against the ball boy yeah I'm pretty sure that was yeah. against Blues but I don't know whether it was that one I think it must have been again it, if it was it'll have been on screen at this point it was yeah. the game where Mel Burks doing the the iconic kind of double fist celebration yeah. when he got subbed off. So, yeah, that was that game for sure. I don't know. The, the, the Creon must have been. He
0: scored twice. He scored twice. Ashley scored twice. Scabby obviously, yeah. scored against Blues as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was just an iconic game for many reasons. I think Blues got relegated that year as well. An iconic win if we win that 3-1. But because it's 5-1, it's yeah. that's why it's we have to include it in, in our list.
1: Yeah, but not including it in top spot. Which you know, some might argue that should be the the ultimate the peak. You beat yeah, your your fierce rivals five one at home, all your forward players score, a couple of them score twice. Yeah, iconic captain. Was he captain Melbourne? It would have been at some point. He goes off with it to a stand innovation, giving it fist points to the sorry. crowd. Uh Gabe okay, Bowie would have captain, of course. Yeah. yeah. would picking up ball boys if that was the game. Like that should be top spot. That's perfect. But what takes top spot for us, and probably most people watching this, and if you disagree, Let us know in the comments down below. Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. And this game is very much different to the game we've just talked about with with Blues and kind of this fuzzy nostalgia, nice feeling about it. I kind of feel the same way towards Liverpool, but with this kind of tinge of sadness that we only watched it on TV and all the photos of it the stadium is empty. And that's the thing that disappoints me a little bit. Again, it doesn't matter. We won 7-2 against the reigning champions. It was unbelievable. But imagine how much better it would have been if we were all there.
0: I just tell myself that it wouldn't have happened if we were there. <laughs> True. I don't know whether it's a nervous energy or whatever it is. I just don't think it would happen. Like those, all of those, no, not all of those games, but a lot of those games, like losing 4-3 to Southampton, beating Palace with 10 men easily. Other games yeah. as well, we beat Chelsea at the end of the season, we beat Tottenham away. Like, there was just a lot of weird games, like losing 3 at home to Leeds. There's strange results for the whole season. United lost a couple of hours before us you now like 6-1 spurs i think we saved you know it's blushes in a way because all the papers the next morning are obviously like well actually <laughs> that wasn't even the biggest like shock i still can't get over it really it doesn't make any sort of logical sense because that liverpool team was arguably one of or you know i know liverpool have had some very good teams over the years very yeah. good teams but that's the team that won them the premier league trophy the only difference was that they had um Adrian in goal instead of Allison, but I don't think Adrian was at fault for all. I mean, he was at fault for one of the goals, obviously the <laughs> first one. Um, but apart from that, I don't think there's anything he could do about the other ones. You know, if Allison was in goal, they were one on ones anyway. So yeah, it was just one of those free games. Like the goals we scored, obviously McGinn's was a deflection to make it four one. Barkley on his debut uh, was a deflection as well. Probably another deflection somewhere. It was similar to the when United lost on Sunday against Liverpool seven 0 Like. Was it a 7-0? Possibly not, but Liverpool had like seven or eight shots on target and they all went in. So mm-hmm. kind of a freak in that way. Like we can't deny that. But at the same time, you've scored seven goals to beat oh uh, it's seven two, you scored seven goals to beat Liverpool. Um and like not to like dig into blues, but I feel like we could beat Blues 5 1 again, <laughs> or we <laughs> yeah. win the championship, and yeah. it won't be the time, probably, because, you know, whether it's Blues or Bolton or Blackburn, there's every chance we'll beat a team that's not as good as us by a lot of goals. Um, the Liverpool are, will always be one of the top clubs in the country, so we'll probably never beat them, you know, or score seven, not score that amount of goals and beat them. So it has to be top, uh, yeah. say, like, strength team apart from the keep that van dyke there and that was the team that say won the premier league only a couple of months before i know that yeah. wasn't their best season they still finished like third or second though that year so yeah just mad everything worked for one at halftime but i still wasn't
1: um <laughs> still <laughs> the second half score three and we'll yeah, lose
0: four yeah absolutely <laughs> like because there were only three goals behind like i say only yeah. and in the end we, we did it but yeah my only memory from that say obviously wasn't in the stadium Was I was at uni again and I had my room in the basement any time scored a goal I would just like nowhere to really move so yeah, you, you kind of got to use up your energy somehow so I had like my stairs to go up in, into like the first level so any time would score in that game or in any other game I'd just run up the stairs and run back down like shouting <laughs> so I mean, it like a workout after that game it was like, like what 14 times I suppose um, yeah mental just bizarre I remember just sitting down like, afterwards like Oh, yeah,
1: the, the podcast that we did afterwards. Which I'll put a clip in of, of us just starting it. I think I opened a, a beer early on, just going. <laughs> <laughs> Got a can of Pepsi Max here. Let's enjoy it. It's a full fat, full sugar performance. So drink it in. Strike, strike in the Premier League glass because we're n- not oh. leaving this league. Let me
0: tell you. Oh. Yeah, there's absolutely no explanation at all. Like that, you could just go over any player and be like, "Yeah, it was this that." Like Grealish, arguably had one of the best performances in Premier League history, not just for him or for a Villa. I meant like as a player ever. Like yeah, the Premier League, like, it was insane. He got like, five assists and just ran the whole it's mental Watkins uh, yeah. perfect hat trick in the first half.
1: Also, Ollie Watkins' first goals for us which I didn't realise that I was looking into this the other day because obviously it's Ollie Watkins' 100th Premier I mean, League game coming up soon. He, yeah, yeah, in the Premier League. Yeah, of course. Because mm. he scored in the Cup, didn't he, I think, in uh, the, yeah. the Cup before that. That was his debut goal for us. He's coming up to his 100th game so I was just looking through like the landmarks on like, a first goal, 10th goal, 20th goal, first brace, first hat-trick, that kind of thing. Obviously knowing the hat-trick was Liverpool. But obviously we only signed him in the the summer of that season and this was like the third or fourth Premier League game of the season. Mm. So yeah, what, Ollie Watkins' first Aston Villa goal was the first goal of a perfect hat trick against the reigning champions in a seven-two win. Like, that's a mad thing in itself because you just—I just thought well, if that was his hat trick, he's obviously scored a couple of goals in the season already before that. But that was like the start of the season, that, that Liverpool game, like I said, the third or fourth game. Yes, uh, just so I'll just stop. read the team news out quickly. Uh, most of us will be familiar with it: Martinez, Cash, and Mings, Target, Douglas, Louise, McGinn, Barkley. Trezeguet, Grealish, Watkins. Little stats from the the website that I'm using, 11v11.com. This was the second time Aston Villa had scored seven or more goals in a game in the Premier League. Also, 7-1 versus Wimbledon on the 11th of February, 1995. We've put Liverpool in because I think that won't be matched just because of the level of opposition. Um, Like you said, if we played the reigning champions again at the start of a new season, will we ever win 7-2 again? Probably not. So that kind of out trumps every other game that we could put into this list and people will say in the comments this cup win was better or this win from whatever year was better but for our list that we're doing Aston Villa 2 Aston Villa 7 Liverpool 2 has to top it just because yeah, of the magnitude can, of the opposition
0: yeah like you, we can there's more important wins in Aston Villa's history like you can probably round 25 30 of them and we've got proud history of winning things like this but yeah <clears throat> in terms of what the hell and goals and just shock and again will it happen again probably not um, or not for a long time Liverpool has to be there not just because it's Liverpool but you say the Premier League champions would do that too so mm. yeah that would be like us beating Man City 7-2 at the start of this season like it's just bananas it makes no sense and yeah i can't still piece it together and say i think a lot of it was kind of everything went right for villa on the day but at the same time there's absolutely no taking anything away because like it's insane i've got a screenshot on my phone of when i facetimed my dad and like my brother and my mum afterwards and it was like a 40 so like 48 minutes on top i'll try and find it yeah i was just to prove like what the hell like we need to talk about this (laughs) this is (laughs) bizarre i don't think that will be topped and that will kind of live, me, live with me forever probably it's just yeah mental.
1: Yeah I like that this, this podcast was based off the off the fact that Liverpool just won 7-0 against Man United and made me think let's do a podcast about times when Villa have battered people and then yeah. we've ended it with us scoring 7 past them Absolutely. as well which is a, a nice kind of ending to it. Yeah. We'll just go through some honourable mentions from social media some of these will be repeated so bear with me if we go over any of the same. Pricey said Liverpool 7-2, Villa 6-1 Sunderland Derby 6-0, Villa 7-1 Wimbledon, Villa 5-1 Blues and Leicester 0, Villa 5. They're in the Premier League, the only ones that come to mind in my lifetime, he says. AVFC Stato came out with the biggest Premier League wins. So, 1994, a 5 0 win over Swindon, the 7 1 against Wimbledon that I've just mentioned, a 5 0 win over Wimbledon in 96, that Derby 6 0, Villa, Sunderland 6 1, and obviously Villa 7 2, Liverpool. So, with three of those mentioned, are ones that we've talked about already. Uh, Mark McIntosh has great memories of the 6-2 win against Everton at Villa Park in 1989. Lich says, my first thought was December 1976 and beating Liverpool 5-1. There's two here that were, were kind of on my honourable mentions list. Now, one that I didn't see, but I know know about. That's, to be fair, two, both cup finals from the 90s. The 3-1 against Man United and the 3-0 against Leeds in 94 and 96 as going on a cup final and kind of blowing the opposition away and, and winning the trophy. Like, that's got to be up there as a level yes. of achievement. Uh, kind of a semi-rogue one because it's not a huge scoreline, but the 2-1 win over Liverpool at Wembley in the semi-final with the FA Cup. One of Grealish's first games for us yeah. under Tim Sherwood. Grealish, Delph, Benteki linking up and kind of playing Liverpool off the park at Wembley. Again, mm-hmm. doesn't have this flashy scoreline of a 5-0 or a 7-2, but one that I think of as a kind of performance that obviously gets us to a final that we go on to lose, so that's kind of um uh, dampens it a little bit, but as a dominant performance uh in part of that game. Yeah, an honourable mention for that. A couple of mentions for the Aston Villa six, Everton two from, from back in the, the late eighties. Oh. Um a couple of people said Rotterdam, which again it's only a one nil but the magnitude of yeah like of if you are not like
0: yeah. <laughs> Well that that whole run in that in the in the hard European Cup yeah. was, it all, was it five or six games? we've Well, obviously, we had two legs there, didn't we? So,
1: and mm. um, Final one from Rich, who says Villa 2 into Milan nil back in 1990. Shame we lost 3-0 away. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's always yeah. something, isn't it, with Villa to bring you back down to reality after a, after a good result. But what I like about this is I, I, all my tweets said, Man United's embarrassing defeat to Liverpool has got me thinking what are Aston Villa's, Aston Villa's best ever performances? And a lot of them mentioned the 7-2, the 5-1 against Blues, a few mentioned the 6-1 Sunderland so I like that even with the kind of great expanse of knowledge across Twitter of different age groups they've still got three or four of the same that we've put in this list as well.
0: The win over um, and again we're kind of just naming wins now but the win over we need to probably do one let's do one in terms of magnitude as well as a podcast because like Mm. you can name like, like the Derby one for example obviously we know it's big but then another sort of butterfly moment if we lost to derby we wouldn't have Grealish, would we have gone up the next year we wouldn't have parachute payments obviously we haven't the owners that we have but we know the championship's a slog and everyone wanted to beat villa so i feel like if we didn't work that year it would have been so ugh as well like i was bored it sounds quite snobby but i was bored of championship football <laughs> at that point i really was to of it
1: you know also sorry come on come in With all the excitement that we're talking about, Aston Villa 7-Liverpool 2, my newborn son has wet himself and I've just been handed him to hold for a second. Uh, What do you think about about some of these games we've been talking about? He still hasn't got over the Liverpool 7-2 yet. Actually, funny story, just as we're talking about different random things. Me and my partner, who have been together a couple of years now. Yeah, I know. When we first started (laughs) speaking and, and kind of getting to know each other, it was like early October and the Liverpool game was the 4th of October she worked at a pub at the time in like a part-time job after COVID and she yeah. messaged me because the Liverpool game was on we were obviously winning 7-2 <laughs> yeah and she said like uh, oh yeah Villa are, are doing really well like yeah trying and try oh, just to just have small talk or whatever and I was like yeah I was like I oh, know I was like it's not always like that trust me we don't always beat the running champions 7-2 don't get used to it talk about like magnitude of wins and things like that i think there's an episode in like the 10 butterfly effect moments aston villa and we'll have to do some research for that as well so maybe if comments want to put some suggestions down below like little moments in history where if things were slightly different we'd have gone on these various paths of either winning a trophy or being relegated or signing this player or selling that player i think there's some interesting discussion there and again it's just memory lane stuff i like talking about players that you just go Oh, you Siddha, Christ, yeah, he was playing this. John McHugh, remember when we signed him and he was in that crap jumper? Like All these random little talking points to podcasts. podcast. Like, this is what I want to do more of. But we will call it a day there as I've obviously got to go and do other things with the baby. Uh, thanks for everyone who's watched along. There's going to be plenty of suggestions of loads of different games uh, and different results uh, that you think are the biggest times that Aston Villa have blown their opponent away or ripped them to shreds or whatever the title of this video has eventually been. So get involved, put those in the comments and we'll, we'll chat down there as well. John, thanks for your time as always. We'll be back on Friday with a West Ham preview and then Sunday for a post-match show and then again, same time next week on Tuesday we'll do something else. I don't know what it'll be. That's the beauty of these kind of midweek episodes. Maybe a Q&A, maybe a phone-in, maybe the six times this random thing happened and we'll just go down memory lane and see what happens so thanks everyone for tuning in as always and uh, we'll see you again on friday thank you for listening to claret and blue and aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your thoughts and comments we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa